Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing ends Monday. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. There's no purpose in teaching anybody who don't really want to learn, who really don't want to get to it. Everybody want to play entrepreneur. They don't want the sacrifice that come with this shit. Hmm. Truly, nights, early you're going to lose friends, lose girlfriends, family going to call you crazy, not going to believe in you, then you make it, and then everybody going to be like, I'm proud of you, let me get some money. What I've realized that wealthy people understand, mm-hmm. and people in general, it's the small concepts that you can apply to get wealthy. You don't got to be super smart and got to know all the intricacies of real estate or taxes or e-commerce or whatever, trucking, whatever it is. It's good if you want to be rich in that business, but you don't need to know that. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know small, basic concepts. Mm -hmm. And one of the smallest basic concepts that anybody can understand is get money by income. Mm. Get money by more money. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that's shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host for the episode. Jalen, how you feeling, bro? What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Jalen, man, another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. I'm feeling great today. I really cannot complain, man. 
just glad to be back here. We got some special guests. We in studio, so it's a blessing. Yes, sir. Yes. Another great day. Another great day in Dallas. Um, I'm especially excited about today's episode because this is their first podcast that they're going to be on, yeah. and they Dallas locals. I told y'all, like, Blackwell Renaissance, we're trying to do, we want to take Dallas and turn it into that city that y'all can come to. There's so many amazing black entrepreneurs here that we want to highlight, and I'm excited for our guests today. So I'm just going to go ahead and introduce them. Uh, but before I do that, I'm going to ask y'all to leave that five-star rating and review. Make sure y'all uh, leaving that review. Letting like us know. it, yeah. comment, subscribing, sharing it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So with that said, uh, I guess for the episode, an amazing couple out of Dallas that we got connected through to, uh, to through our brother, Eric. Eric Ball, guest on the BWR Podcast family. Um, so, yeah. On this episode, we have Mr. Damian Jones and his wife, Dr. Hala Mustafa. Um, uh, Damian is an accountant, and he owns a trucking business, and he's a partner in the Trucking Cheat Code with his brother, Marcus, and uh, Eric as well, correct? Eric yeah, also. And Eric as well, yeah. And Dr. Hala owns her own dentistry um, in the Prosper area. So I'm ecstatic to have y'all on. Um, a whole lot of black excellence. A whole lot of black excellence. It's, it's a whole lot I'm ready to get into with y'all. We were having a great conversation before this. And yeah, welcome. Thank you guys for having us here on this platform. Yeah, definitely excited to be here um, with this being our first time. We're super excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we appreciate in. it. We appreciate it. And uh, the way we normally just get started, uh, and since we're going to go down two paths, uh, Damien, I'll just let you give first, like, can you just introduce yourself? How'd you find your way into accounting and then into the trucking industry? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my name is Damien Jones, uh, born and raised in the Fort Worth area, um, started as an accountant, went to UT Arlington, uh, studied accounting. How I became an accountant, um, my uncle basically gave me the ideal I wanted to do a finance degree, but he mm -hmm. basically said, hey, I'll do accounting because you can, you'll always have a job as an accountant. Um, and, you know, as I was growing up, I was always into money. So um, he was like, hey, this is a path for you. Um, and then from there, um, my brother introduced me, kind of introduced me to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. uh, I was getting my, my master's in business administration. You know, he was, he was always an entrepreneurial guy. And so he started a trucking company. Mm -hmm. And with me, I was like, I don't want to do nothing right now. I just want to get my degree. Uh, he was like, no, nah, I really need your help. And and from there, you know, we, we joined forces together. We started buying trucks and trailers and stuff like that. And uh, we just became kind of a yin and a yang to the business. Uh, you know, Batman and Robin, it was always, uh, you know, the muscle and the brains mm -hmm. to the business is kind of what we brought. And it was a, it's a great collaboration is what we have. It's dope, man. Yeah, that's real dope. Hala, can you uh, introduce yourself and how did you find your way into one dentistry and then uh, owning your own practice? Okay. Hello, everyone. I'm Hala Mustafa, and I am the owner of 1385 Dental Studio. Uh, our office is located um, off of Highway 380 uh, near the Aubrey, Little Elm, and Frisco community. Um, I got started in dentistry. I was always... I loved the artistic and the medical aspect of dentistry. So uh, when I was in high school, uh, I there was a program where I shadowed um, some physicians, nurses. It was a, a healthcare program, and um, I was drawn into to dentistry. And so um, a few years later, I went to college. I went to University of Texas at Arlington. Um, 
majored in biology. Um, and in that time, I would also volunteer and do community services where I would go to local dental offices and shadow there. So I was, I was really, I loved it. It was, it was what I wanted to do. Um, I loved. There, there are many. What I noticed is there was like disparities in healthcare, especially when it comes to dentistry, uh, because the clinics that I would volunteer at, they were, you know, they didn't have to pay anything. It basically served the underserved communities, and so it was, it was great to see people coming in in so much pain and discomfort, and being able to help them right then and there. So that made me love dentistry even more, and um, of course the flexibility of it as well. So, yeah. That's why I like dentistry. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love yeah. it. Yep. So I'm glad to have both y'all on here. I'm glad that y'all both introduced us. But I guess first uh, we'll go into the trucking side of things, right? And then we'll get into your story with the, the dentistry and owning your own practice because I think that's like a power play in it. Um, too often people, be, they want, do dentists really work for people? I don't know too many dentists that, that work for other most, people. Most dentists are in private practice. I would say mm -hmm. like about 85% of dentists just work in private practices, have their own offices. Um, many starting out would work for corporate offices, mm -hmm. you know, offices like uh, Ideal Dental or Mint Dentistry or other smaller DSOs, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But mostly a private practice, I would say. Okay. Yeah. So, Marcus. Uh, not Marcus. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Damien. Uh, <laughs> it happened before. It, it Sorry, man. Together uh, no, man. So, Damien, my brother, uh, when you got into the trucking, I, one thing that you said you shared in your story that I thought was powerful, like your brother said he needed your help, and then you 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 took what you had, your skills, and you hopped at it. Like, what was that? What did that process look like for you? Because you were in school, right? You yeah. weren't. You were working in corporate, but you hadn't really deal, dealt with all that side of like setting up businesses and all that other stuff. So how was that process for you? Um, the, the process, it was interesting because, you know, for me, I, I wasn't interested in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. you, know, my, you know, at that time, I was interested in just graduating school because all I knew was that if you, if you go to school, after that, you get a job, you make money, you climb the corporate ladder, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I had no, I, I mean, I knew about entrepreneurship, but there was nobody in our family that was an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, so my brother was kind of the pioneer in, in that in that way, um, and so for me it was kind of something that was like scary. Like, okay, well I'm gonna put my money up and start, you know, creating something that may not return, or or I'm gonna have to work really hard. It's, it's just, it was just a you know it's kind of a dark road, you know, because mm -hmm. you don't know, you know, it's the kind of things that you don't know about it until you get into it. Um, but then it was kind of liberating too, because you know as you get into it, you start to you say you put your money up and then you work hard to make a return mm -hmm. um and so that was it, that was kind of it was kind of scary but then it was liberating too mm -hmm. and then as we continue to be in um the, the trucking industry and in and, and our business you know and acquiring more trucks and you know meeting people then it was just like yeah that's something i could do you know i mean i studied business you know mm -hmm. i was a master's in business administration you know i had an accounting degree so i studied everything that it took to run a company um, but actually doing it was um, something that, you know, that was fearful that, you know, kind of there was a fear factor to it, but mm -hmm. then there was also this liberating factor to it too. It's like, hey, I'm doing something for myself, for my family. Um, you know, me and my brother, we're advancing our whole family by doing something that nobody has ever done. Mm, and I, I'm glad that you got on, you know, the MBA and, you know, you, you understood and you went to school for this because a lot of times I see on the internet, you know, people will be like, Oh, you got to learn by doing it or like 
people will be like, an NBA is worthless now, stuff like that. But I want to ask you, like, how was having those tools under your belt advantageous for you? How did you use those to your advantage with helping your company become successful? Yeah, definitely. Um, so ha- having the accounting degree and then having the MBA is kind of like, uh, um, I'm trying to find a word for it, but it, it's kind of like the... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Um, the Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, the one-two, yeah. Yeah, it's like the one-two punch. You know, Now you understand what it takes to structure a business properly from an accounting standpoint to where banks can look at you the right way. Uh, where you know you understand how to build financial statements and then getting your MBA it just takes it to a next level where you actually understand how businesses are looked at globally um, and so that's what made it great and then you know coming bringing my brother and then have him having the operations side it's just it was just a match made in heaven you mm-hmm. know because we both handled our different sides of the business um, and for me you know it helped a lot you know I had different relationships that I was able to talk to about certain things because I was in the accounting realm, especially when it comes to finance. Because business mm-hmm. is all about how can you gain finance to, to grow your business because you can't do it all with cash. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. you know. So you know, going through my accounting degree, I met some really, really good people that was able to help me you know, understand how to you know, grow the business by financing it and stuff like that. That's dope. So I w- I wanted to ask about that. Y'all now have 27 trucks. When did y'all get started again? So we started our trucking company in 2010 with one truck. My brother mm-hmm. bought the first truck, 19,000 cash. 19,000 cash. Blew the, blew the engine within <laughs> three months. Within three months. God damn. Another $10,000. Damn. <laughs> yeah. What type of truck? Like he bought an old truck? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when you start, that's that's how you get started. Most people don't get started by buying a 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in 2021. That would be a hundred and eighty thousand dollar truck right now. Mm-hmm. So when he gets it was a two thousand four and two thousand ten, two thousand eleven time frame and we actually still got that truck this you know, to this day. Oh, it's still on the road. Oh, it's still on the road. Oh. So with blowing these engines and stuff like that, I, I just want like figures. What's a normal life expectancy you can expect out of a truck if you do the proper maintenance? If you do the I'm proper maintenance. I'm gonna put that clause on there. <laughs> if you do the proper maintenance. Yeah, if, if, if you do the proper maintenance, that truck can last, you know, infinite. I mean, we got a 2002, I have a, um, a 2004, um, I had a 2000. So you're talking 20 plus year old trucks that can last for a long time if you do the proper maintenance, but it's costly to maintain those trucks. Mm. And those are the type of trucks, you know, that you, um, you don't want to send far distances. You know, I listened to um, DeMarco's, DeMarco's podcast when he just talking. He talked about buying an old truck and sending it over the road. We were in the oil field, so it was short distances. Mm-hmm. And when we joined, jumped into the over-the-road space, we didn't want to send those older trucks over the road because mm-hmm. it's costly to maintain them. And then you don't really know what you're getting into when it comes to maintenance in them over the road. Yeah, because then you go, you might have a truck blow a Blow something in Nevada or exactly. something. Somebody got to drive out there. You will get taxed. Yeah, yeah you will get taxed. So uh, I did want to get into like whenever your brother. So he bought the truck. I was going to ask like how did that partnership come about? So like he bought the truck and you came in helped him with the structuring side of everything. Yeah. Uh, when when did y'all get into the side of finance and like when did y'all decide to like go into finance? Because he bought it cash, right? Yeah, yeah. So he bought the first truck cash. I I bought the first trailer. Mm. 
So I had some cash. Actually, it's, it's a. I, I'm very, very, very like interesting when it comes to financing deals. So like, I was in the MBA school. You know, at that time they was giving out loans. You know, they give you a student loan now, and you you'll take out all your money, right? So I didn't need all the money, right? Because I was going to school. It was only like ten thousand dollars a year, but they gave me like twenty five thousand in student loans. So I'm me my in my mind I'm thinking, let me go ahead and take the twenty five. We need a trailer. So I took the money from there and basically used it to buy a trailer. And it was it took my student loan money to buy a trailer. That's smart though. Hey, flip the student loans. Other people use this. They would have fun with it. Yeah, <laughs> asset though. Yeah, exactly. And then we still got that trailer to this day. Come on, man. That's they that's still making money. Yeah, exactly. That's how you pay your student loans with the money they give you. Yeah, yeah. That's up. Yeah, but, that's real dope. And I, I kind of wanted to get back into just before we continue mm-hmm. on the trucks with the NBA, because you said something that was really kind of pivotal. You said, you know, having the NBA helps you understand business globally. Yeah. And I want to talk about business globally because a lot of people, once again, they look down on going to school like this and they see entrepreneurs and a lot of the big corporations, the global corporations, they might have a person who dropped out of school, but they dropped out of Harvard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they dropped out of Harvard's business school or they dropped out of Stanford and like they they were on a, a certain level and like you said, they made these connections, but they also got these people with MBAs working for them to help this company continue to grow. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't wanna, cause I see a lot of people always talking the, the debate, but I think that college, once again, if you use it correctly, it's very useful. And especially like with those MBAs to continue to expand a business, if you really wanna expand it and take it to another level, I think you need some of those people with those tools on your team. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, having the NBA allows you to understand how businesses interact across different regions, right? Like you, you would think about it. You know, when, when you're growing up in Fort Worth, Texas, you don't know much. You know, you don't mm-hmm. know the apples, and all you know is Apple makes phones, but you don't know Apple makes phones somewhere else, ships them over here. That they um, have a tax hub and a tax haven in Ireland. To you know, to I heard to, about Facebook in the tax haven too. Yeah. So you don't you don't know those things until you start to study business at a higher level, and and through MBA school it introduces you to those um to those to those those ways of business. You know, of course, with a trucking company, you know you can expand it into those different ways, but it's mostly locally. You know, it's a U.S. based company, mm-hmm. but um you know the MBA just expands your horizon on what business is. I mean, it teaches you a lot about how to prepare business plans, how to prepare presentations, um, operational, you know, excellence. Um, it really walks you through the different ways of how to do things. Because when you go to a customer, they're going to ask you for a presentation. They're going to mm-hmm. ask you for, um, you know, your, your presentation on how you can help them. And if you can't present the right way, you know, because you don't have the experience, then you're most likely going to lose them. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. And I want I want to get back into the trucking now with it. So, how now that you you mentioned like these things with with the operational agreements and things like that, when it comes to the trucking industry, what how would you say like is a, a proper agreement to set a proper way to set up a trucking like the trucking business for somebody like uh, I know you can set it up with an LLC, you can get the S corp designation. What, what was your, what would be your recommendation? Yeah, so a lot of people, when they start a trucking company, most likely it started as a side hustle Mm -hmm. because, you know, the first truck is never going to make you enough money to just walk away. Um, It's probably once you get to the twos and threes and Mm -hmm. maybe the fives, 
it's gonna make you enough money to walk away. So what I advise people when they come through, even and we will talk about this later, a truck and Chico platform, you know, I advise them to do an LLC and then do the S Corp. Um, mm-hmm. But you gotta file that form 2553. If you don't file form 2553, you're not an S Corp. And a lot of people miss that part of the step of actually structuring their company. You know, they'll set it up and then it's like, oh, I'm LLC S Corp. No, you're not. You know, and then you start sending that S Corp form, that 1120S, and then they're like, they don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. The IRS don't recognize it because they're like, no, you're a C Corp or you're a disregarded entity if you only have one person. A lot of things that you got to do, but that's that's a good way to structure your truck company. So you said a LLC mm-hmm. S Corp. So what, what was that form again? Form 2553. 2553. So whenever you're structuring your business, submitting everything, first I'll file as a LLC. And then is it years later that I'll file the 2553? Or it's right whenever, whenever I'm stru- structuring yeah. it? So you can do it. You can do it as you create your company, but you can also do it when you file your taxes too for your, your corporate taxes, and you can send it in with your corporate taxes. But if you send it in too late, then the IRS wants a reason of why you're sending this in after the fact. Okay. So, and what's the what's the benefit of structuring it like that? Because is it like a S corp, a LLC sitting on top, and the S corp is right at the bottom of it, yeah. like? What was the benefit? So, of so that? the LLC is is not a taxable entity. Mm-hmm. The LLC is just a um, I'm trying to trying to it's just a corporate structure. It's kind of pass through. Yeah, it's pass through. So it's not a taxable entity. So you have to select how you want your company to be taxed. And so the one of the benefits that I and one of the big benefits that I have is being able to pass through your income to you personally mm-hmm. and your gains and your losses. And so you're able to net those with your W two income. Right, a lot of people, like I said, when they first start their trucking company, it's it started as a, um, a side hustle. Mm-hmm. So if you got a trucking company and that first year you didn't do so well, you lost twenty thousand dollars, how do you get that back? You're able to net it with your W two income, in which you probably paid out, you know, your mm-hmm. your your, w, your work income, your W two income to support your trucking business. So it's kind of being able to utilize that in that mm-hmm. way. I so, got you. That that just it made me think about something like taking that risk is actually like. Even if you're negative in that first year, it's a, almost a tax benefit for you to to take that risk because you're gonna if you incur the losses and you got your job still, mm-hmm. it's just gonna reduce your taxable income. Exactly, it's gonna reduce your tax burden. Damn. Hmm. I guess yeah, that, that, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. You, but I, I wouldn't. Have, I, I don't because I I feel like some people would kind of use that to a negative thing. But I, I feel like if you're not making the right amount of money. Don't just do it just to be like, yeah, you know, to try to reduce your tax income. No, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, no, yeah. it's a business to go and loss every year. So, uh, but it's, 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 you know, it's there for that reason, mm-hmm. you know. And just saying like whenever that first year getting started out, you know, it might be tough. You might be down. I heard a lot of horror stories with the trucking industry. Oh, yeah. Just think about that. All these L's you taking. He just said the first truck they blew the engine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So is that just, that's, I guess that's just the rookie tax. And no, it's 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 one of the things that you know when you think about buying a used truck, you know it's like buying a, a used car. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people they go to the auction to get their first truck, and it's like buying some blind, you know, buying a, buying some blind, blind dating basically, right? Mm-hmm. And so you go up there and you buy something from the auction, you don't know what you're getting. You know, there's no there's no um, history on the maintenance, and there's no history of all the issues that are. That are, that are there's no car effects in the so, trucking industry. So that's exactly what my brother did. You know, he was. Advantageous. Let me go out and buy this nineteen thousand dollar truck, and then drive down the road. Damn. 
So, so, and how long was it on the road before the? So it was in- probably three to six months before the engine blew. So y'all hadn't recouped the investment on it at all. So what does that look like after the the engine blows? Are you like, man, I shouldn't have never got into this? Or like, how, how do you how do y'all progress through that? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely was something that was you know that I heard it a lot. But you know, we had you know money saved, mm-hmm. we had support from people to help. You know, because I mean, like you said, you just starting a business. Got one college student, you got one entrepreneur. You know, we're in our early twenties, jumping out there. You know, you, you don't have that much money. You yeah. know, so yeah. you need some help. So we got some help from some people. You know, a little bit of money, and then got it going. I was out of student loan money at the time, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. But we, we made it through, um, and it just was a learning learning mm-hmm. process. You know, after buying you know buying other trucks. I mean, we made other mistakes like that you know, also, yeah. but we're able to make it through easily now because we have a um, a diesel repair shop. In Alvarado, so damn. So I wanted to get into that with you. Uh, you start to, when as you were buying these other trucks, uh, scaling. You said you you guys went for the financing route, right? So with somebody with a trucking business that's looking to acquire financing, what what do they need to make sure they have like together before they approach um, they approach somebody to, like a lender? Yeah. So I mean, it always starts with number one with credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trucking industry, when it comes to financing, is, it, it caters to people with CDLs um, because they what they have dealt with, they've dealt with a lot of investors coming in, you know, one and two investors buying trucks, and then, you know, the truck breaks down, and then they just, you know, they lose interest in the business. Mm-hmm. And so now the people that are financing, you know, they're, they're upside down. Um, so start with starts with credit and starts with cash. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to want 20 to 25% down, um, and then it starts with a relationship. Our first financing deal that we that we had, we had a relationship with the banker, mm. and and we actually leased one of our one of our trailers through that banker, and from there we were able to walk into that bank. I mean, it was like something that I've never imagined. Right, we was able to walk yeah. into that bank. Hey, um, we're gonna need a loan. Sign the papers and just walk out because of the relationship. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever you heard the term like community banks, relationship banking, right? Mm-hmm. We lived that for probably five years until he left that bank, and we were I mean, our heart was broke. Yeah, I man, I I can imagine because like think about everybody they applying. You know, we got all these online tools and things like that. You can go and apply for financing real easy on uh, like what it is like Cabbage and uh, a couple of the other places, but having that relationship. You, I bet y'all were able to get approved for more than you probably would have in in under normal circumstances, just because like y'all had such a good rapport with them. Yeah, yeah, we we had a good relationship. We was able to get approved. Um, the the interest, and the terms of the loan was so much better than what people normally would get in trucking. So cabbage mm-hmm. and like all of those um, kind of daily payment loans that are that are out now, they're very damaging to your business. You know because they're you get the money fast. They want you to pay it back fast. Mm. That's not how business works. Mm. I'm glad you said that. And I, I kind of want to get deeper into the scaling with the trucks. So how long did it take y'all to move on to the second truck after that uh, first one? So we, we moved pretty fast. Um, I think within, so after blue the engine, um, then I would say probably within a few months we had our second truck. And it was a trash truck too. We bought another trash <laughs> truck and went through the blues with that one. But again, it was what we could get at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was me learning how to, you know, structure our taxes the right way. Getting it out know. the mud. Yeah, exactly. And so from there, it was everything was cash. And then so we started to finally learn. You know, once we had the relationship, started to walk into being able to finance things. 
Um, so within a few months, I'll say within that first year, we had five units on the road. Hey, hey, Still, man. That's yeah, dope. that's dope. So what niche did y'all end up going with with the trucking? Mm. Because there's different. Yeah, different you mentioned that you y'all were in the trucking industry um, and y'all did do over the road as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So so we so my brother, when he when he started the business, he was in the oil field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was in the oil field. And so that's all we knew. We knew that there was uh, a transportation side of the oil field, and uh, shout out to Marcus, he's actually coming out with a course very soon. Um, but there's a transportation um, side to the oil field, and so which is called frack sand hauling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just about to say, I actually used to work at a port doing the frack and sand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a big deal. So I mean, mm-hmm. it still is a big deal. So back in like 2010, um, we started. You know, basically get the truck. You get what is called a um, a blower which is um, a tool that utilizes to blow the sand out the tank, um, and then you get the pneumatic tanker. And so that was the niche that we was in. So we were in frack sand all the way, and we're still in it just a little bit. Um, but we were in it from 2010 all the way up until the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, there was no frack sand moving at all. You know, everything else was still moving, you know, so we had to pivot into, you know, other parts of the um, trucking world. But we were we were – Pretty much an oil field company. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for that fracking sand not moving is because the, the drilling, right? They use the fracking sand whenever they drill in new sites. Mm-hmm. And I think during the pandemic, they ended up reducing a lot of their supply yeah. because of the demand. Yeah. So so when the pandemic happened, everybody got scared and thought that the world was going to stop, yeah. right? And so, you know, there was no need to produce oil. So mm-hmm. the, you have... You have what is called the exploration side and you have the production side. So the exploration side is actually where they go in and they, they drill and they actually go in and drill the hole. The production side is where they actually pour the sand down the um, down into the ground and then allow the sand to come back up or allow the sand in the water and all of that to come back up and then the oil actually comes back up too and that's the production side. Um, yeah. So. At that point, they, they said they don't want to produce no more, right? Because nobody's going to be driving. Mm-hmm. Nobody's moving around. What's the use of producing more oil? Yeah, well, the oil just, went, went to negative. They were, yeah, it went negative. They were giving people money to take it out of their hand at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, So let's, let's just stop. Stop producing. So everything stopped. Yeah, man. Damn. So when you said y'all made y'all y'all made pivots within that industry, uh, what were, like, the other lanes within the trucking industry, like, things that you can move? Yeah. So, so the oil, oil and gas is very, it's a very cynical industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it goes up and down, it has its peaks and valleys. So we were in oil and gas, I mean, we're still in it a little bit, but from 2010 to 2015, uh, which were the Obama years, which were really, really good years for the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. In 2015, everything crashed uh, because it's a, like a, it's like a year of the president, right? Like every time presidents change, you know, you start to see like, you know, different policies and all of this policy. stuff yeah, going right. in an effect. Yeah, yeah. So, so everything crashed. Yeah, so everything crashed in 2015, and at that point, we went out and bought three three flatbeds. Um, we pivoted our company into rock hauling. Um, we had the three flatbeds. We did a little bit of drive in, but didn't really like that. Didn't pay pay well enough. Um, so we was we were used to pivoting, um, and then you know we had our best year. In trucking in 2018, where our company did almost 18 million dollars in, um, in revenue, um, and I was still in corporate America. At that point. That's hard. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was hard to to it was hard to do 
but you know, I knew that how oil and gas is goes up and down. Mm-hmm. So I'm not leaving my job that I, you know, <laughs> got all my uh, degrees for. You know, still, still maybe in my mind. But yeah, so 18 million in in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot. We had 180 trucks on the road. Um, yeah, it was a it was a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Um, I didn't have no kids then, so it was, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy to do. Right? <laughs> uh, wouldn't be able to do that now, yeah. but um, but yeah, so. 2018 came great year 2019 2020 we uh we kind of chiseled the company down to mm-hmm. about 60 70 units um and then 2020 right as the pandemic was happening we had to let 60 or 70 guys go mm-hmm. um and then we pivoted our company at that point um into um primarily refrigerated hauler mm-hmm. um, our company now is 27 units half refrigerated hauling we got a fourth of flatbed, a fourth of step deck. We have um, pneumatic tankers. We got uh, plastic hauling. So um, I always say, and I tell all of the students that come through the truck and cheat code, is that we we have diversified our company into five different trailer types. And, and there's not a lot of companies that do that because they kind of just jump in the industry into driving. So Marcus has done a good job of diversifying our company into those different trailer types. And I'm glad you brought that up because I definitely wanted to highlight that diversification of your company because I just thought that was really smart because now, you know, it's just like a regular portfolio with anything that you got, you know, stock, real estate, whatever. The more you start to diversify, the more that you can mitigate some of those risks. And like you said, with like a not being all in on the all now you know i can still move all i can move food with refrigerating i don't i don't know what what you the, move the with flat all beds, that's yeah, yeah. so when you move like the uh, big logs and stuff like yeah, that yeah, yeah. logs and um, metal pipes and heavy equipment you know um wood yeah mm-hmm. when something happens to your kitchen you might say this is ludicrous but that won't fix your home that will only get you the rapper ludicrous having trouble don't panic don't be alarmed you need to file a claim holla at state farm like a good neighbor state farm is there that's right you can file a claim on the app or call us thanks mr chris no matter how ludicrous the situation like a good neighbor state farm is there state farm bloomington illinois so whenever you y'all going through this, are y'all doing in-house dispatching? Y'all going through a company? Like, is everything y'all vertically integrated? How's this going? Yeah, so we, we got our own dispatchers. Um, and like I said, we're a family-run business. So um, we got a cousin that dispatches. I've started dispatching just a little bit because I started to see drivers just fade away from the company. And I really didn't know why. So over the last few months, I've started dispatching. My brother does a little bit of dispatching, um, and um, yeah, we got dispatchers. You know, everything was done in house for us. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, y'all, the trucking business, y'all scaled it down. I, I like that you shared that. Like, that's a powerful thing. Like, y'all scaled it down um, and made it stronger, almost. Like when y'all had the hundred eighty, y'all did the eighteen million revenue. Was y'all net higher than it is now? Or are y'all able to take in more because y'all are like more diverse you know yeah the, the net was definitely higher then because it was it was primarily on operator base right like i didn't own 180 units you know mm-hmm. i had a over probably 150 plus um contractors is what they would be 1099 people so we were on earning we were probably earning about 20 to 15 percent on on the trucks um, gotcha. rather than you know the the margin that you earn when you own the truck probably somewhere around about 40 percent 
Mm. So, so y'all able to take in more because y'all it's all in the house. That's dope. Yeah. Mm. And I kind of want to talk about the location of where y'all at too, because that's like you we were talking about off uh, screen. It's very strategic as well where y'all located. You live in the DFW Metroplex, yeah. but y'all business is based out of Alvarado, right? It's based out of Alvarado. So can you talk to me about like why y'all pick that location versus trying to uh, be based out of here? Yeah. So um, so Alvarado is you know one of the, one of the things that's important for us is being able to get trucks in and out of an area, um, being able to utilize the space. So there's a lot of space in Alvarado, and there's also a major highway. Um, I would never put my trucking company with that many trucks in uh, a metroplex either Dallas, Arlington that's very congested, very busy because it just increases your ability to get into an accident. Um, so everything with trucking is mm. risk space. You wanna be, you wanna uh, mitigate as much risk yeah. as possible. And so being out there, uh, one, there was a lot of commercial real estate, so where we can set up the, the diesel repair shop. Um, and then there's a major highway, you know, you know, north and south, you know, the I-35 in Alvarado takes you south, you know, further to South Texas, um, and then north through Oklahoma, you know, Kansas and stuff like that. Oh, that's smart. A, a, a corridor for real. That's what y'all sitting on. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to get into truck and cheat code because I like I wanted to learn, ask like what more, what is truck and cheat code like what because you guys y'all y'all been in the industry y'all been in the business like truck and cheat code is a course it's a mentorship what is it yeah so it's a little bit of both um, so the truck and cheat code has been around for almost a year now. Um, and basically, we're um, we're an educational platform mm-hmm. that provides seminars and courses for new entrants to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, also, people that dispatchers, you know, I've heard the term dispatchers. It's a buzzword going around you know, the IG now, and and so we're basically teaching people mm-hmm. how to enter the industry, stay alive. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our core is is that we want to help you stay alive, right? We mm-hmm. we can teach you how to get in. But a lot of what we do, we focus on people staying alive. You know, so we got Trucking 101, which is a seminar course. So it's a seminar now, but courses are coming down the pipe. Um, but it's how do you enter the industry? What does it take to get into the industry? You know, we talk about startup costs. We talk about, you know, how to finance your trucks. Um, talk about how to find drivers. Trucking 102 is focused on how to stay in the industry. So mm-hmm. we're heavy on the compliance stuff. Yeah. You know, our, our team. Shout out to Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my guy. Um, so our team is very, very, very diverse in that way where, you know, I have a compliance and, you know, um, a compliance background. And Eric has a very, very strong DOT compliance background. Mm-hmm. And so our Trucking 102 is is heavy on that. Like, we want to show you what it takes to stay alive, what it takes to pass audits. Because, you know, trucking is, is, um, is federally mandated. I mean, it's mm-hmm. federally regulated, my bad. Um, so it's it's important that you 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 um, you know you you meet the regs when it comes to trucking, and then we have the dispatching right. Like we wouldn't, you know, I always say this anytime that I'm on one of the seminars. We cannot teach trucking without teaching dispatching because it's a very critical part of the industry. And so uh, we have a dispatching seminar and a dispatch course that in the next ten days that's dropping. For for anyone who isn't familiar with dispatching, can you just give us a quick breakdown of what it is? Yeah, definitely. So. Dispatching is basically like, um, I guess, and it, 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 it's like being an air traffic controller, mm-hmm. right? You're basically telling, you know, you're basically helping trucks, truck drivers navigate 
through, um, you know, getting loads, mm -hmm. you know, identifying where fuel at, um, you know, their routes. Um, what else? What else? Yeah, so those three things. It's kind of like it's coordinating kinda, and making yeah, the play it's like, happen. It's, you're like a, you're a coordinator. You're, um, you know, you're like you wear tons of hats as a mm -hmm. dispatcher, um, but you're primarily finding loads for for truck drivers and helping them stay profitable through finding those loads and route navigation. Um, so yeah. yeah, dope. So for anybody that may be interested in the truck and cheat code, how could they get involved with that? Yeah, so I mean they can they can uh, look us up on IG. Thetruckandcheatcode.com. I mean, the truck and cheat code at the truck and cheat code, or they can go to the website www.thetruckandcheatcode.com. For sure, yeah. we got to get with y'all. Try to see if we could do something special for the audience. Yeah, but yeah. Damien, man, I want to say thank you because this has been a, like a trucking masterclass, trucking and account masterclass yeah. in a little, <laughs> a little pocket. And what's dope about this podcast episode is because they're an amazing couple. So this is a two-part podcast, yeah. and now we got even more gems to get into with Doctor Holler. So Holler. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first question I guess we want to ask, like, is going to be going back to owning that own, uh, your owning own your, own, your own practice. Yeah, your yeah. own practice. So, like, what does that, did you originally, how'd you uh, get your start in? Did you, you said you worked with clinics at first, right? Uh, so, when I was in high school, uh, I would volunteer at different clinics. Uh, I was trying to figure out what I liked. I, I was initially interested in being a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we had different programs um, in my high school where you can kind of get to explore the different careers that you can, you know, interested in. But I was I was drawn to dentistry. So when I went to college, I went to UT Arlington. I was majoring in biology. So in my free time, I would volunteer at local dental clinics because I knew I wanted to go to dental school, and we had to have some experience as well. So um, I would I would volunteer, and um, but. After graduating and in, in the process, you're also taking a dental admission test. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of like a survey of all the sciences, the chemistries, the organic chemistry, all that fun stuff. Uh, perceptual ability. So after you take that test, then you can apply to the different dental schools. Um, there are three dental schools in Texas. So um, I wanted to go to Baylor College of Dentistry, and I was able to get in and. Um, so basically four year of undergrad at UT Arlington and then four years at uh, Baylor College of Dentistry. And that was it, yeah. So after you graduate and stuff, do you go to work at a corporate firm or are you working at a private firm? Um, you have the option, you know, it, it, it depends. Um, I, I liked getting exposure and seeing many different patients, many mm -hmm. different cases, and you do get that when you work in corporate dentistry, mm -hmm. I would say that. Um, so you, you get a nice experience. Um, so I worked there, I would say, for about two, two to three years or so. Um, but I wanted to have a more personalized experience for my patients. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to control the environment that they're in and, and just offer the best care. And it was, it was time for me to open my own practice. And so kind of playing with the idea, maybe in 2019, after I had my first baby, uh, and we built it during the pandemic year, actually. So it was, it was kind of. That was, that was, that was a, yeah, that sounds uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we set the goal to yeah. open up a practice mm -hmm. in 2017. 2017, yeah. When she first graduated in May 2017, we set that goal that yeah. in 2020 we wanted to open up a practice. That's, hey, and y'all, y'all stuck to it even though it, things got a little rocky. And then I love it. It did, it did. So I wanted to, I wanted to point one thing out. You, ah, oh, damn, it slipped my mind again. Sorry, y'all. 
This happens. Do better, David. It happens. I'm sorry. Wah, wah, wah. You, can, you can hit it on me, man, if you want. Oh, I will. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Hold on. If you can't get yeah, your question, I, I, I have I'm, a question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it soon. <laughs> I'm going to think about it soon. So I want to talk about what does it look like to start that, that private practice during the pandemic? Like, what's some of the steps that you got to go through? Is there certain licenses that you got to get? Certain codes and like regulations to the certain type of buildings you can use? Can you walk me through that? Yeah. I mean, so after you graduate dental school, um, you apply to the Texas Dental Board of Examiners, and that's mm -hmm. how you get your license. Um, there are more certifications that you can get if you wanted to offer, for example, special types of sedations. So mm -hmm. there's levels to that. But um, basically, as soon as you graduate, you apply for your license, you get it about two weeks later. So that's that. Um, when it comes to building your own practice, um, there you just basically have to find the space that you, mm -hmm. first, you don't wanna just practice anywhere. You wanna do some studying and see exactly how the demographics, because if you've noticed, there's a lot of dental offices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, in order for, I, I looked at two different things, starting a practice or acquiring a practice. Mm. Um, we looked at acquiring a practice because it's like, you know, the cash flow's there. You don't have to worry about getting patients that are already established patients that have been coming to the practice for maybe five, 10 years. So mm -hmm. that's a lot easier. Um, but what it, it was problematic finding a practice that was close to home. Mm -hmm. So we live in Little Elm. And we built our home there. We love the community. We like the area. And um, I was just was not interested in commuting, you know, more than 30 to 40 minutes to go to work. You know, the whole idea is to to be close to work and, and make it comfortable for me. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted that work-life balance, you know. Um, I'm a career woman, but I also personal life and home life is very important to me. So mm -hmm. I wanted to have a nice balance and commuting was not in the picture. Even though we, we did uh, like see lots of great practices mm -hmm. here in Arlington, you know, but that would be like a huge drive. So um, ended up doing some demographic studies to mm -hmm. see um, the population around us the homes, the businesses, and luckily we were in an area where the area is booming, you know, lots of businesses, lots mm -hmm. of schools, homes being built. Um, so I had to look at that those data just to make sure I'm putting my practice in a great location mm -hmm. because when you're a startup practice, you need everything to work in your favor. You need to have great visibility, um, growing families, mm -hmm. um, not too much competition around you. You know, it is a new area, so I'm pretty sure more offices will be built there in the future. But if I get there first, you can establish that. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So, so lot, lots of factors. So just kind of doing your homework and making sure that it's it's a good location. Um, so it, we were fortunate that it like it checked all the boxes, and I was even surprised. I didn't, I didn't think I could find a practice that was literally. Um, or built a practice that's literally, you know, maybe three, four miles away from my home. Like, that is a blessing because it's literally a, a five, ten-minute ride in the morning. It's really nice and sweet. So, yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. I remember what I was going to say earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> no, uh, I wanted to point out one thing that you said, and I thought it was really wise, just in all that you shared, like, 
whenever coming to being so strategic about how you're setting things up. Yeah. Um, saying whenever you come out of college working in corporate for that two to three years, yeah. did that help you kind of build up a clientele and help you understand your demographics a bit better versus just kind of like shooting in the dark? Or is it really with a dentist, is it just kind of looking at like, this is needs based. Like, yeah, I don't need to know specifics about my type of customer. I know, like, yeah, people was, need to get their teeth fixed. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice because mm -hmm. here's the thing. Sometimes when you work in private practice right after you graduate, depending on the on the practice it is, you might not see as many patients. So the the practice that I worked at, it was great because there was another older doctor that was there. Mm -hmm. So somewhat like a mentor. And I think that's very important as a, as a new graduate. Um, they can kind of guide you with some difficult cases and just kind of going back and forth. Um, that's, that's, that is super helpful as a new graduate because you're not maybe, you know what you're supposed to do. You have all the education and the ability to take care of patients, but sometimes people are not textbook, right? Mm -hmm. So patients are not textbooks. So you're gonna get some crazy things. So it's nice to, to have other colleagues um, and, and work together, um, and, and that's how you get more experience. So I, I liked it just to, to get the, um, the more experience and connecting with other colleagues. Um, and then also you get to know what type of dentistry you want to practice. Mm. You know, some practices are really, um, like, super busy, you know, seeing maybe 20, 30 people a day, and maybe not so much time as um, focused on the patient experience or getting to know your patients. And, you know, so you get to see what type of practice and how you would like to practice. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to ask you, like, what yeah. what's your focus in how do you go about with your business? What's your customer experience for your customers? Um, we really focus on a personal experience um, when it comes to, to our patients when they come in. It's like, you know, Damien works with me, so it's amazing that he helps when it comes to the office administration. And I'm really fortunate. He's amazing at that. And I can just focus on the clinical aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, not many dentists have that duo, and I'm fortunate that it you know, I get to see him every day and we get to work together and he can handle the administration and I can just focus on on the on the clinical aspect and taking care of patients. Um, so it's pretty great. I got it. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, I love it. Beautiful. I love it. Yes, indeed. So I kind of want to get to you mentioned um, having that balance in life, you know, the work life balance. Uh, Y'all both are entrepreneurs. Uh, you have two young children. How's how is it balancing all that? Hmm. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if we even figured that out yet, but you know, I right now I work like a certain three days a week, mm -hmm. and that to me is the perfect balance of being able to give the best care to my patients, um, and then also be you know present with my children and just have that family time. So that's that's what's nice. I can honestly change my work schedule to fit around what I need to do for my family. So mm -hmm. I like that. Now, if I was to be working for somebody else, it's I don't necessarily have so much control. And I might, you know, you can ask, but I don't like to ask. I want to just make things. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that kind of person. I, I just want things to be done a certain way. I, I want to control everything um, when it comes to my, my work environment, who I work with, who, who I'm around, what what the philosophy of the practice is. All those things are important to me, so, um, yeah. yeah. I, I think with, with two kids under three, 
um, being an entrepreneur right now for both of us has actually allowed us that freedom to, you know, like you said, just whatever yeah. whatever we want to do, we're going to do it. Uh, it's, you know, of course, the business has to make money, but our family also has to have the life that we want and we have to be involved with them. So, like, you know, those Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're off. But those Mondays, we want to block the schedule and she don't want to work. We don't want to work. You know, yeah. We want to be with the family. So, honestly, I, I look it back and I'm like, well, if I was still in corporate America, I don't know how I would do it with two kids. You know, yeah. so it's allowed me. It's to, counterintuitive. You would think yeah. being two entrepreneurs that it might be harder. But, like I said, you get that flexibility and you choose when you want to work. Um, it's, it's worked out well. Can't complain. Dope. Yeah, that's real dope. I'm giving you the freedom to be, because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Like, yeah, you want your business to make money. It's great yeah. to make money, but if you not you don't have the time to spend with your family, the people you love, and to really enjoy the money, then what is it? What yeah. is it for? You're gonna resent it. You're gonna when you're at work, you're gonna you know resent being there, and then when you're at home, you're gonna resent. That's why you have to find that balance so you can be uh, an amazing parent to your children, um, and then when you're at work, you're also taking good care of the patients, and then also being a, a role model for your kids too. Um, that they're able to see that it's possible and how great it can be. Hmm. So what you're saying that does that kind of make it kind of hard since y'all work together and then go home? Like, do y'all find yourself kind of like talking about work whenever <laughs> y'all get back home? Are y'all like, you know what? Once you step into the door, <laughs> we ain't talking about this. So Damien is pretty good with that because he has been an entrepreneur a lot longer than I have. So he... He's pretty good with like, okay, babe, let's let's not, cause I, I I get I'm like, babe, remember this, remember that, and he 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 knows like when to shut shut off. So he has to kind of remind me sometimes. I think it's because I'm new, you know, to this. I mean, our practice we opened in December of 2020. So as a new practice owner, you know, I'm learning a lot in terms of the business aspect, and he's helping me with that. Also with leadership, you know, when I worked for for somebody else, I didn't have to worry about managing staff or um, all that stuff. I didn't have to. If somebody else was doing it for me, I would just come practice, take care of patients, and leave. Um, but now, being the practice owner, you wear so many different hats. And, you know, you got HR, you got employees, hiring, all this. It's Hippa, a lot. OSHA. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't get me. Sorry. Hey, I, <laughs> I, forgot, I, forgot, I didn't think about OSHA hip-hop. Got, they had everything, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, it's but I think I think as time goes on, you you learn, you set your systems in place. Um, that way, things become more automatic, and you don't have to think about it. I think as the practice grows, or as your business grows, things become more automatic for you. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned systems and uh, kind of like that that part of making it scalable. As, like, what type of systems are you implementing? Like, just simple scheduling type things, and uh, like, what what type of systems kind of go into running a a dentistry? A dentistry? So many, so many systems. It's such a broad term, but I mean, it's it's as simple as how you want someone to answer the phone or as how someone walks in the door and how they're greeted to how they're being brought back to um, types of x-rays and um, the way that you do the exam, um, the way OSHA and HIPAA and all these, everything is a, is a system to how you want your procedures to be set up, to how you want everything to be organized. It's everything so. she, she's very systematic i mean i thought i was systematic because i'm an auditor and that's mm -hmm. what i used to do is be <laughs> very systematic in the way that we look at things but who needs an alarm in the morning 
when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, she's super systematic and it works, you know? Mm-hmm. It, systems are like an entrepreneur's best friend. Once yeah. you yeah. get them like down lock and they work how they're supposed to work, it's just like you can be hands off. Yeah, it's yeah. like thank you, Lord. Yeah, like you do the same thing the same way every time. You don't have to think about it, and mm. that's how I like to to work. So if I'm not there, then things are done a certain way, or you can refer to employee manual and has everything there for you. And so it's it's much easier that way. Less mm. stress. Thank you and for it, saying that. Yeah, that was thank you. And I, I had one more question, like uh, in regards to that, when it comes to like getting um, employees onboarded. How is like the training process with that? Because like I know you you have like your employee manual, your SOPs and things like that. Um, are you just like giving them educational walkthroughs, or things like that? Like how do you how do you find people learn the best whenever you're like teaching them the systems? Um, I ask them. You mm-hmm. know, um, the way I learn, I learn by doing, mm-hmm. and so I ask them how they learn, what what's the best style for them, so that I can accommodate them, um, but. When it comes to dentistry, a lot like when I have hired my assistants, I uh, it's kind of like on the job training. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we do have days where there's um, programs that they watch, um, just have formal orientation. We go through the manual, but then also just basically on on the job, and then just every day at the end of the day, I would you know sit with them and and kind of go over things that could be improved, what they did great, um, emails, you know, things like that. Yeah. Thank you. The dental assistants are also licensed, too. Mm-hmm. So they went through some sort of training ah. and education to get to this point. Yeah. So a lot of what she's teaching them is more. My style. Reiterate. You're not teaching them from like, you don't have Stretch. to teach them from the ground up. Yeah. No, no. Just like how I like things to be done. Mm, yeah. That makes every, sense. Every office, every culture is different. So, you know, they will always, you know, want to know how you like to work and what's best to work. So, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to get a little bit more and just to like the hierarchy with dentistry. So with a private dentist is dentistry. Is it just one dentist at the top and then you got your uh, assistances? Uh, assist. I don't even yeah, know that. Oh yeah. Uh, so then you got your assistants and then. Um, so your assistants they can do the X-raying and all of those things, or is that a separate role as well? Yeah, so if the the assistants, usually they are certified to take x-rays. Um, that goes a part of their education. Um, but usually it depends on how big or how small the practice is, you know, or and that's something that I had to think about when I, when I built the office, how big I wanted the office to be. If I wanted to bring in a second provider, a second doctor later on, you know, you can. So you just want to make sure you have enough room for all providers, but generally, um, you know, you'll have a dentist, you'll have a hygienist, and mm-hmm. maybe two to three assistants. You can always add on another provider, another doctor, another hygienist, and so forth. I got you. So, mm-hmm. in another provider, that would be like a orthopedist versus. Uh, so yeah, so you're talking about like specialists. So yeah, so hygienist is a provider. Um, other specialists like uh, periodontist or orthodontist or oral surgeons. Those are all. Um, Jesus. Orthodontist. No, you're good. You're good. No, but yeah, you can have specialists that can come in, you know, maybe, yeah, depending on how you want to to, to set up your office. That is a possibility. Mm. I got you. Mm-hmm. And it was one other thing I wanted to get into, Chihala. It was something mm-hmm. we talked about off camera before is the going out of the country for continuing education. Yeah. I think that was such a dope gem for anybody that is a professional or just like yeah. 
has to do that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, I was I was recently at the Dominican Republic. I uh, went for uh, implant course. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had an option of like three days or five days. We we did three days, and so we went there and um, saw patients, uh, saw different cases. Some cases were very complex actually, um, but you got to work with um, a team of surgeons. Um, and dentists that work there, um, these these are their patients that they're actually bringing us for us to treat. So it was it was a great experience. You get really great hands on, and then you you learn about the curriculum, different implant systems. Um, it was great. It was, it was it's a fun way to, mm-hmm. to to do your education. But there's many courses like that. I mean, some in the U. S., some in the Dominican Republic, some in Mexico. So you know, yeah. I got you. Thank you. And I, I got one last question. So if I'm someone who's listening to this podcast and I live in the area, how do I become a client of your dentistry? Do I just walk up? <laughs> or can I apply online? Uh, insurance required? Can how, how does that work? Yeah. Well, with the pandemic, everything we do is like digital. We try to, I do not like a lot of paperwork. Mm-hmm. So you can literally go to our website, uh, www.1385dentalstudio.com. You can request an appointment there. Um, it'll guide you throughout the whole process, but you're able to make an appointment there, send your paper, um, your paper forms, and everything. You can find us on Instagram too, um, Facebook. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, really, anyway, um, I, I want to mention something. <clears throat> she skates over the the built term, right? Like she says, we built the practice. So she was actually a construction manager for six months. Wow. Doing mm. the practice while being pregnant. I would. Wow. <laughs> Construction manager managing the entire project. So she just skates over yeah. that. But if you guys want to go in depth in that, what she did to build the practice, design it, and make sure it was right for her patients. Oh, mm. so like y'all actually. Yeah, y'all built, ground, I, from the ground so up I, constructed the business. I thought yeah. it was like, you know, we found a nice location, then we did some renovation. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> we can't. No, no, they was in the concrete. They was in the concrete laying pipes. No, she she designed it and built really built the practice, like building a house. Yeah, that's crazy. And I didn't know you were pregnant through that whole process. Yeah, as yeah, well. we were. We were uh, with our second baby. Um, so this was in March. In March is when we decided, right, Damien? Was it March? It was, in it was December. So in December, that's when I wanted to be my own my own and that's when I uh December of 2019 2019 oh, 2018 actually December 2018 yeah and that's when we found some practices to acquire mm-hmm. but they were like okay we're going to build a practice mm-hmm. and we did some demographic studies and uh, we're like I said found something close to us we found the and the landlords are usually super happy to have a dentist. So we get really great terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so we negotiated a lease, um, got the things that we wanted, and then they, they we started. I literally worked with um, construction the, company. the construction yeah. company to, to with the plan and everything to mm-hmm. design the office exactly like I wanted, the operatories, the waiting area, everything. So that was fun. Um, I enjoyed that. Really so good. y'all did a land lease? Uh, or it, it was a build. Y'all y'all constructed a building. Y'all did a land lease. So it was basically a shell. Mm-hmm. It was like an empty I shell. I got you. Okay, I got you. And you um you you lease the space that you want, and then you I can build you. it how okay. you want it to. 
And whenever it comes to that, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, that's something that's actually even strategic that people don't think about. I've seen that before, like the way you structure the office and things like that. Yeah. So can you get into some of the things that you were thinking about whenever you were like going through this? Um, yeah, I wanted a nice flow mm-hmm. of the office. Um, I, I was thinking long term, you know, I wanted at least to have six operatories, six treatment rooms um, in terms of, um, you know, bringing a second provider, you know. I know it's going to grow, so I w- wanted to make sure I have uh, enough space for growth, and then also um, where it's comfortable and not too too tight. Because a lot of the offices that I worked at, they were so congested; mm-hmm. it just felt like the dental office. And patients already have problems coming to you know. Yeah. There's anxiety, right? Little kids. Oh, kids, adults, everyone. A lot of people have anxiety coming to the dental office, and I just wanted to make it as serene as possible, and. Picking that location was amazing because literally my office is just just full of light, very airy, um, and that takes away some of that anxiety that people might have. It doesn't feel like a dental office, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's very beautiful, wide windows. Um, so, yeah, all of that went to building the office, actually. Mm-hmm. That's dope. So you got yeah. some real estate plans in the future now? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'll keep my options open. Yeah, why not? That's dope. <laughs> yeah. Damien? Holla, I want to say thank y'all for coming on the podcast. I have one more question for y'all. Uh, and that's this got a new little the, segment. Yeah, we just trying section. something out. New segment. Uh, so would, what would y'all offer as a personal finance tip? Y'all favorite personal finance tip or principle that y'all live by for anyone that may be listening? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for, for people that are, and this one just came to me, but for people that are actually just getting started in their life, you know, 19, 18, 20 best thing that I've seen if you can stay with your parents and a lot of us in America a lot of things what we do we, we want to just get out of the house right we want to you know just move on 18 19 if you can stay with your parents stay with them save your money even after you graduate college if you can stay with your parents stay with your parents save your money buy some real estate in college right Save your money after your first purchase. Your first big purchase should be real estate at the age of 20, 24, 23, you know, once you graduate college. But save your money and utilize your parents longer than the normal thing, right? The normal is 18, I'm gone. No, if you stay in through 25, 26, now you've, you've saved up some capital. You're able to do whatever you want. You know, you're able to create a business if you want to. You're able to buy some real estate. So you allow yourself more um, than the normal because you, you're not going out and having to get all these expenses so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I love Sound that device. one. I like that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be going by the vehicle for your first big purchase. Man. Listen, take me for <laughs> example. Don't do it. <laughs> not the greatest, not the greatest nah. idea. Unless you turn it into an asset. Now, yeah. you're going to make it a rental well, car. Yeah, hey, hey, once I ain't going to lie, hey, it might be profitable, but. Still, real estate appreciates and yeah. you get more tax deductions. And so. up your net worth. Yeah, this car is not going to do that. It's you know, scary. I've seen an interesting statistic. Uh, I think it was like millennials as a generation, I think like 80% of our, we have more net worth in vehicles than we do in real estate. I can believe that 100%. Yeah, I can believe that too. Like the majority of our net worth is vehicles. I was like, damn, that's crazy. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Like that just speaks even more to what you just shared. Like yeah. they don't make no more real estate; they make cars every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to say, um, and this is more related to, I guess, dentists out there or, or dentistry. 
Um, what was helpful for me is making sure that you have, do your homework in terms of finding the place where you want to have, to have your business, but also save the money that you need to. That way, when you're starting your business, that you're able to focus on it completely. Um, some of my colleagues that do have a startup, they would you know, have their, um, their office starting out, but they'll also be working um, you know, uh, as an associate someplace mm-hmm. else. So you're not able to really focus completely. Mm-hmm. And that's when your business really needs it. You have to invest 100% and believe in yourself. But you also have to make sure that you, you do your due diligence. Safe. Yeah, so you're able to do that and, and do well. Mm, powerful tips. Y'all better listen. I love it. I just gotta tell y'all thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank y'all. y'all thank couple. y'all for coming I'm, through. I'm grateful that we were introduced to y'all um, through the network. I'm excited for what y'all have coming next. Uh, so yeah, can y'all let everybody know how they can follow y'all again? Tap in with y'all. Let them know what y'all got coming up. Anything? Definitely, definitely. Um, so my IG is at djones underscore eight one seven. The dental office IG is thirteen eighty five Dental Studio. Um, you can book appointments with. The best doctor, the best dentist in the world, um, www.1385dentalstudio.com. If you want to learn trucking, if you want to learn how to stay in the industry, thetruckingcheatcode.com. Yeah, we teaching, we teaching, and we we help, we pulling everybody up with all of our tools. I love it. Once again, appreciate y'all for coming through. I definitely got to come see the dentist's office. I yeah. got to come come experience that. Um, and before we get up out of here, I want to get into some house cleaning. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners who come in week in, week out, kicking it with us. So we definitely appreciate it. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode and got some value from it. Um, if y'all did, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, make sure that you share this with a family or a friend that you feel like it may be helpful to. Um, and y'all just continue to keep on rocking with us I'll throw it to Dave Yes sir And if y'all want to support the show Y'all can do that by um, Purchasing a Support thing with Anchor Yeah we not Yeah, yeah Anchor support You can through support Anchor. through Anchor And on that note y'all This is Black Wealth Renaissance Signing out Peace, Peace. When something happens to your kitchen You might say This is ludicrous but that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.